This call is being recorded. Hello, and welcome to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have as our guest today, Mr. Pat Sanahan, who is the author of How to Be a Better Procrastinator. Procrastinator. That's too many syllables in that one, Pat. Are you there? Yeah. Yes, I am, John. <laughs> How you doing? Good. Very good. Glad you could spend some time with us today. Um, I am too. You've got you got a, a, a lot of a lot of books behind you and articles and all kinds of stuff. Um, but I guess that goes with the territory. Once you earn, earn a PhD. Yep. Well, you know it's a, it's a good point because one of the points of the book is is that you can procrastinate, and a lot of people procrastinate in this country, and you still can be productive. And that's that's why I wrote the book. I mean, COVID shut things down a couple of years ago, and I had three boxes of books on tips on procrastination that I've used. Every idea in the book is something I've utilized to manage my own procrastination. And so I can be productive with my record, but at the same time, there's certain things I do procrastinate on, income taxes being one of them. <laughs> yes, I know all about that being uh, – I'm, I'm a former CPA, Yep, and and I used to do taxation, and yep. I fi- I file um, within the rules. I file every October uh, for the last I don't know twenty twenty five years, but just putting yep. it off. Yeah, you get extensions. Off. I do this. I do the same thing. <laughs> years ago, I had to pay a couple years. I had to pay some penalties, and that kind of really got me going and saying, "Okay, how do I get through this very onerous task that I don't like?" No one likes doing their income taxes. Most people don't. But you're right. A lot of people. The IRS loves procrastinators because we pay late filing fees, you know, and that's billions and billions of dollars. Yeah, 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 and they're pretty much. Uh... Um, that's somewhat ferocious with respect to those fees. You know, they protect them oh, quite a bit. Yep. So you pay a price. You mean late, late credit card payments, you know, at 32%. I mean, it, it just, it, you know, it hurts you. The procrastination habit hurts people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure. trying to figure out ways to manage it. Um, is that just because these people are lazy? No, I, I think it's a great point, John. I think there's a myth out there that says procrastinators are just lazy people. Uh, most of them are hardworking and very successful. Lazy people never feel anxiety or stress about their habit. They're just lazy. Mm-hmm. Procrastinators feel a lot of anxiety, stress, and a lot of regret. So that's the price you pay for being a procrastinator. Lazy people couldn't care less. <laughs> well, I uh, generally, when I have a project, I'll I'll try to give myself a mental outline of what's going on. And then yep. of course it's going to change quite a bit before I get to the point to where I'm start studying actually what I'm going to say or write or write. Um, it's, it's, um, I never felt lazy about it. I just felt like I wouldn't wish when I got down to the end, I just wished I had more time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. What is there a point? point? Sorry. No, go ahead. No, you make a good point there that you anticipate it's going to change. A lot of times procrastinators kind of do a plan if they do a plan. 
uh, only 3% of us write down our goals. I mean, that's amazing, 3%. And, um, and that's the general population. That's just not procrastinators. But if they come up with a plan, they write the perfect plan. Like nothing's going to change, and there's not so many potholes or mud pies. That everything's going to be perfect. And you know that, and I know that ain't the way it is. So you have to build in, you know, some fat in the budget, as it were, to manage your process, whatever project you're on. Exactly. I, I, I know all about that, especially when, it would, when I would have it in my head, and then I'd get to a point where I start writing it down, and then it didn't match, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> but writing it down is a very important step. Yes, it is. That's what they call them. Outlines. Give me an outline, boy. Give me an outline. Yeah. They, they help move things forward. I don't write a book without an outline. Rough outline, maybe, but I have to have some kind of roadmap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's something about negative myths about yes. procrastination. Yes, there's, there's some myths that procrastinators have. You already identified one that about procrastinators is that they're lazy. But procrastinators kind of, there's a couple ones I'll just share quickly. One is about willpower. And procrastinators think that there's a big pool of willpower in their backyard that they can dip into. And the research on willpower is a very limited resource very limited resource. So that light, tiny little pail. And so and it's like a little bit like a battery. You run a battery down and it gets tired. If you exercise your muscles too much, it gets tired. So for willpower, it's not to do with discipline or gutting it out. Willpower is limited resource. So if procrastinators have to use it strategically. And that's usually at the beginning of a task because starting is the hardest thing for procrastinators to do. They keep on putting off starting. So that's when you use maybe a chewable chunk of 15 minutes to do your task and kind of gut through it for 15 minutes and use some of your willpower. And then also at the end of a task, and that's where I procrastinate. I'm pretty good at the beginning and middle, but the end is the last mile is the longest mile for me, and that's when I have to use both my willpower and some of the tactics and tools that we have in the book to kind of punch through it. But it's not mm -hmm. an unlimited. And then the last one I just wanted to share with you is one of the myths that procrastinators have is I have to feel like doing it. And the reality is I'm never going to feel like doing my income tax, ever. And it, the, the notion is, you know, you want to have motivation before you act. And really it's the opposite. It's you have to act, create some momentum, and then you will get motivated to do it. And the research shows us that if, once you start a task, not everyone, but once you start a task, most people will continue it. Maybe not to the end, but they'll move it to another play. So this notion you go to wait around until you feel like it, it's just a wasted thinking. So you have to realize, do something, and something else will happen. Makes me wonder how my listeners are categorizing themselves in terms right. of, oh, yeah, I'm one of those, and then, oh, I'm one of them too, you know. <laughs> well, you know, it, the research tells us that 20 to 25% of us are per chronic procrastinators. It's not like people just procrastinate once in a while. Chronic, right. it's a lifestyle. And that's right. tens of millions of people. We probably know someone in their life, professionally or personally, that procrastinates his lifestyle. Well, I would think, though, that the people that are chronic procrastinators, as you just described, um, that in some way is going to affect what they do. Absolutely. And, and how they do it. Uh, you know, if you can't get with it and get, a, get it going, then why are you doing it in the first place? Absolutely. They they have stalled careers. They don't go for the other job or the promotion. They're going to wait till mm -hmm. next week. You know, old saying that tomorrow is the busiest day of the year. People say, I'll do it tomorrow. And then the tomorrows just add up and uh, it becomes a lifestyle and uh, people get, you know, they just don't, they just land, but they don't ever take off. 
That's sad because when you sit and talk with people and they're happy about how they're headed and they're going to do this and they're going to do that, and then maybe you'll see them a week or so out and then, how you come in. Oh, well, I just, you know, I had, I, I just don't know why I can't get going or, you know, you know I yep. just hear that all the time. Yep. But that's okay. I'm sure you do. You know, people are going to be that way. I have something here that you'll know a lot about. Already. Not to say you're not to say it, it's printed on your forehead, but just it just on my page. It says uh, temptation bundling. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. How do you how do you how, yeah. how do you do that? Yeah, that's a nice little tool actually, and it's a temptation bundling. In kind of a simple explanation is it's when you pair something negative like my income taxes, right, or detail work is another one I kind of progressed around with something that's positive. So right. for someone who doesn't like to exercise, they might play their favorite music while they're exercising. If someone has to clean out the garage, pretty onerous task, they might play the sports radio. Someone who's got to do a lot of ironing might turn on a movie and watch TV while they're ironing. So you pair up something positive uh, with something that's kind of negative, and what will happen is you'll move things forward. And so when I do my income taxes, I do it in 15-minute increments. I'm not going to sit there and say I'm going to spend a whole day doing it. It becomes overwhelming. But I watch sports, some kind of sports while I'm doing it. Now, mm-hmm. it takes me longer, but I kind of enjoy the experience because I'm watching a basketball game or a football game, enjoying it, and just incrementally making some progress on my income tax. So temptation bundling, powerful little notion. I can see. I can see. Now, are you in Philadelphia now? No, I'm in Chicago visiting family and some friends, but I, Philadelphia area is my base, base camp. I see. I see. Well, that's good. I think the the Bears Bears fans are happy. They they had a big win recently. Yeah, Nick recently. Foles. Nick Foles won the Super Bowl for us. He came in and he won the game for the for the Bears. So we love Nick Foles in Philadelphia. <laughs> Terrific. Uh, now I want to ask you about another one, another yes. thing here that it's called the power of rewards and the dangers of shoulds. Yeah, shoulds. But what we know is the rewards work. And once again, the research, everything in the book is research based. It's just not me, you know, drinking a beer and having ideas, right? I mean, I really do a lot of research and I also talk to a lot of people and I also use my own life as an experience. And so the notion that you just brought up is that the. um, John, just remind me what the, the, the concept was again. I'm sorry. Well, the shoulds. Well, the shoulds, yeah. We, rewards work, and they work really effectively. Sometimes the anticipation of the reward is as good as the reward itself. And so if you do something that's onerous task, like cleaning out the garage, if you have a reward afterwards, that means going to dinner with a friend or a walk with a friend or having a beer with a favorite friend, uh, going to the museum, whatever those rewards are, people have different rewards, they will motivate you to move forward. But what adults tend to do is they tell themselves, it's, it's silly self-talk, they tell themselves, I shouldn't need a reward. I should be more mature than that, or I should be more disciplined than that. And that just keeps the procrastination cycle going full gear. So rewards work, figure out what you like to do, and set it up so you do something unpleasant and you do something pleasant afterwards, and you will move things forward dramatically. That's good. That's good. I wonder, is it is it the type of thing that we – Kind of fool ourselves in a way. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we trick ourselves a little bit because how do we get to something that's uncomfortable? You got to trick yourself somehow. And, and and once again, if you kind of use some protocols and move things forward, 
You know, mm-hmm. don't have to worry. Things you mentioned earlier, you see, one of the things that procrastinators are a little bit guilty of is we have too many goals, too aspirational. And then what happens, like you said, New Year's, you know, New Year's is coming around, and people, everybody, just about everyone, makes up their New Year resolutions, and the research tells us that 92% of us fail by the end of January. Hmm. So we have five or six things we're going to do instead of one or two. So if you have fewer goals and give yourself more time, you'll probably actually accomplish them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I would think so. I always start out <clears throat> with a certain amount of time. Uh, mm-hmm. not, I don't necessarily use it wisely, but I start out with a certain narrative of time. Um, and then it makes, makes me look at what, uh, what I'm looking at or what I'm looking for. And, and why am I doing this? You know, sometimes I, you, know, you, you doubt yourself about well, what are you doing here and why. The why has to be pretty clear, especially with a tedious task. You have to connect it to something of a higher purpose. Like if I get this done, I'm not going to pay penalties, and I can put that money in the bank. You know, whatever, whatever way you can figure out for yourself, uh, you know, just figure it out and think through it. But the why is important. If you don't see some kind of clear purpose, it makes the task very, very difficult. Well, um, that's a tough one for for a lot of people I know. Well, I should have done this, and I should have done that. And of course, you run into people like in all walks of life. Uh, not only singing by verse, but singing loudly, um, thinking that that's going to get them there <laughs> on an easier basis. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at some level, life is pretty difficult for a lot of folks. So, I mean, it's not going to be easy, so you have to figure out how I punch through the difficulties to get to the easy part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I when I finally wrote my book, yes, I had, I had accumulated um, about... 30 years worth of little bitty pieces of paper. Right, right. <laughs> and I, uh, you know, I, I just, yeah, I, it sat and it sat and it sat. And finally it got to a point to where I couldn't take it anymore. You got to get it out. You got to get it out. You know, you got to get it out. So there's lots of gotas in here too, in terms of it being a, a what, what percentage are people, if you got shoulds, what percentage are gotas? Probably the same, uh, same, uh, same percentage. Absolutely. Now, it mm-hmm. seemed to me that did you, did you, did it build up over time and you just said there's too much good information for me not to share it? I mean, what, what was the motivation behind writing the book? Because you said you've got, you collected ideas for a long, long time. Oh, yeah. Was it an offer? Ha- Hello? Yes. Was it an offer someone made? Did someone call you up and say you got to publish this book or your friend or? No, no, no. It, it, it came to me, myself and I. Okay. And so the you know the board had a meeting and I was the one to pick to write the, write the book because the book the book was about me. Yeah. Yeah. And it um, it was something that I just couldn't keep inside me anymore. I had to come out with it. It was um, uh, it's not it wasn't just a challenge. It was a it was a it was a lifetime it was a lifetime turn for me in terms of finally getting that book out and right. and seeing about it. Um, yep. Part of your mission in life. Oh, I'm, I know it, it was part of my, my mission in life. I, I sincerely knew know that, and uh, have uh, worked with it, trusted it, and even now I um, am going to relaunch um, and also produce some uh, other little books, like uh, uh, Jack Canfield did with, with the chicken books. Yeah, yeah. He sold 500 million copies of that book worldwide. 
I mean, that's something. amazing. Yeah. And like you said, he's got different iterations of it. You know, chicken soup for nurses and chicken soup for doctors and chicken soup for teachers. And he's a, he's a publishing machine. I'm looking at the cover of your book, How to Be a Better Procrastinator. And the better is in quotes, and it's darker. It's yes. darker print. It's, I guess that's right. to get somebody's attention, I would think. Absolutely. And once again, it goes back to, I think you have to learn to manage it. I mean, a psychologist might tell you, well, you know, you need to go into therapy and figure out your success and your failure and all those things. I did that 30 years ago when I was doing my dissertation and uh, didn't learn anything. So I said, there's got to be some other ways to manage this thing that was getting in my way. I was reading my dissertation, not writing it, you know, <laughs> and uh, was told you better, you better start writing. You're out of this program. And so I said, oh, my God, I got to do I got to do something different. I get off the dime. And I asked a lot of people what they did to finish their dissertation. And everyone had two or three techniques that they used. And I listened and I, I, I took three of them and I, I got through three chapters in one semester because I applied just three strategies. Well, I. Uh, it was pretty much on my own um, okay. that, I, that I had to do it. Uh, other people that I would tell about, they had no idea what was the truth was what the truth was going to be about. Okay. Um, so it was a little more difficult. Um, the my book is called "Embracing the Abyss." Yes. And um, it's a it's a, it's a memoir, true story of unknowingly becoming a part of a fraud scandal. Receiving a presidential pardon. Wow. And beginning surprised and being surprised by a spiritual awakening. So it was all those things that kind of came together for me. Yes. Yeah. And, wow. And I, and I let one motivate the other. Um, and I didn't quite measure up to what the what the backside was going to be, but I'm I'm happy. Um, well, that's I'm, you got it out. You got it done. That's right. <laughs> and I, all I wanted to do was to tell a story. That was it. Just a story. Just tell a story. And that made it easier to do. If you talk to people about their, their you know, authoring a book or something like that, you know, tell them, you know, just what I would just say. And well, you probably do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. In my book, I think the first couple of lines is I, I've been a procrastinator all my life, but I've learned to manage it and I'm a productive one. Right. And so all the, it's very easy read, a lot of commonsensical ideas supported by the research. And you can start anywhere you want. I mean, as a procrastinator, some procrastinators go to the back of the book and read the last chapter or they start in the middle. <laughs> I wrote it yeah. where you want. Just start. Just start. take three pages and read it. <laughs> uh, that's good. Now, um, define who, what, and where is the accountability partner. Yeah, an accountability partner is, is someone that you make a commitment to. And it's important that the accountability partner is not just a buddy. You know, it's someone that you respect a lot and uh, even admire. And, and that could be in your personal life or your professional life. And you give your word, like, I'm going to finish this paper by the end of the week, right? Or I'm going to clean out the garage this weekend or within a month. And you give them your word. Basically, you put your word on the line. And it ups the risk involved, right? I mean, if I wouldn't want to come to you, John, and say, hey, John, I, I got so busy I never cleaned out the garage, I would feel like I disappointed you because I gave you my word. So it's a very 
it's a powerful little strategy to use for important things. You wouldn't use that for, you know, finishing the ironing that day. But for something that's difficult, you get an accountability partner and you give a time frame and this is what I will do. And one of the things that an accountability partner can do for you is check. They say, Pat, by the end of the month, let's talk on Fridays at 8 o'clock in the morning just to check on how you're doing. And mm-hmm. that kind of soft ability can really be very, very, very helpful. Especially if they're on your side of, of, getting, of getting it done. Yes, absolutely. I had, I had then, thought that my accountability partner would be my wife, but that was okay. the exact opposite. Opposite. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because if you if it's someone you love, and I'm I'm, I'm trying to get into your situation, I mean I've had a lot of my customers and clients tell me that, and I said, then maybe it's not a good idea, because that could create some tensions, or they'll say, oh that's okay, you can do it next week. It's you know, you want an accountability partner that says, Pat, you know what's going on here, right? And mm-hmm. there's got to be some kind of rigor to that, and some energy, and some kind of psychological cost. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's um. It's one of those things. You sometimes, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But for me, it was it was motivation. That was one of my gotas. You got to do it. Yep. You got to do it because I was left on my on my own basically. Um, yeah. And everybody wanted to know what it was about, and I, I would not do, you know produce anything until it was done. So. Yep. And that well, was a, a bit of a happy time. Yeah. Well, you must be proud of the book, right? I mean, you, you, you've told the story, and that, that's got to make you feel good, a, a feeling of accomplishment. Oh, yes, 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 quite a bit, quite a bit. Uh, and th- these were things that happened that turned out that I had no idea were going to occur in the future. Wow. Um, so, um, but, you know, you've got multiple books out, Pat. Uh, you've got the yeah. Better Procrastinator. Um, what are some of the others that you might want to? Let the audience know. Yeah, I have one on exceptional teams, and Amazon has all these books, and it's a very easy read, but it's a pretty powerful story. I was asked by a client of mine to find out what makes great teams, and I said, well, I'll do some research for you. And he said, I don't want you to do research. I want you to go visit great teams and see how they operate. And I said, well, that's interesting. And so I worked with a colleague of mine, uh, Kimberly Eberbach, and, and she was a, a senior VP of Human Resources, and she came up with the idea that, well, let's identify some world-class teams and ask them if we can kind of spend some time with them. And one was the U.S. Olympic rowing team. One was a Final Four basketball team. One was the Army Rangers. One was a surgical unit in, in Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. And we mm-hmm. spent a week with people, not just interviewing them, but watching how they operated. And world-class teams operate differently than regular teams do or regular groups do. And so the book is really around, around that. And then I've written a couple of books on strategic planning. I, I spend a lot of my time in higher education and helping mm-hmm. higher education think about the future and then implement and move forward. So I appreciate you mentioning that I've written more than a few books. And once again, the, the, kind of the, the note of the book is you can procrastinate and still be productive. And, uh, and that's what, that's the story of my life. And, you know, I still manage it, you know, and I still have angst around, you know, detail work like invoices and, and income taxes and I come up with these strategies to punch through it, and I wanted to share with people some of the things that have worked. Well, you know, I, I think here you've got a, an outstanding uh, product here. Uh, the subject matter is, speaks for itself, and and I think a lot of people know they're procrastinators, but they, but they probably wouldn't read the book because they know it is. Yeah. Um, you know? 
they're, yeah, they're missing we, out. What, well, what we've found is a, in a couple of phone calls, I mean, it's not like a bestseller yet to say the least, but I've gotten three phone calls. And what people did is they bought it for a friend or a colleague of theirs. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, they, John, I think you could, you could, you could benefit from this, you know, and I never thought that I thought people would, like you said, would, would buy it for themselves, but we find that some people buy it for themselves and then some people buy it for others. So if they're dealing with a colleague, that's a really good person, but they always are late on deadlines and getting reports done. It's a little gift to them, but for them to come up with some strategies. So there's kind of two big audiences there as a gift and then also for yourself. Pat, would you be kind enough to tell my listeners where they can find you and your book and books, yeah. I should say. Yeah, Please. thanks, John. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, 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 the page is a, the Sanahan Group, and it's S-A-N-A-E-H-A, sanahangroup.com. There's a lot of good information in there and access to all the books. And then uh, How to Be a Better Procrastinator is, in, is on Amazon. You can go right to Amazon, and I think it's thirteen ninety five, so it's not a fortune. Some of the books I've I've written, the publishers have charged a lot of money. But this is we want people to read this thing and get access to it. So thirteen ninety five is on Amazon. Who was your publisher? Uh, uh, Anchor House for this book here. Okay. Okay. Would you use them again? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think that they were they made it uh, pretty easy. I mean, and they were they were quick and good. I've had a lot of. Uh, books that took a year and a half to get published you know it just takes forever and not on my end but on their end and they seem to be very quick and move the ball forward very nicely well that sounds good that sounds real good and i'm glad that you had to uh not had to but wanted to uh, fill in this half an hour session of this week's show um, yes pat i'd like to thank you very much for being in for Thanks, John, for the opportunity. This is a very uh, a likable. Co- I just like the conversation a lot. I appreciate it. Well, it's 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 an easy topic uh, that yeah. people can 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 talk about it. You know, sixty two different ways. And uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit, quite a bit. I uh, want to thank you again, Pat. And You're for me, I'll uh, thank my listeners for tuning in to Searching for Integrity. Uh, So long and happy trails to all. Thank you, John.